are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene online at bethanynaz.org. I love my church and I love the season of Advent and I love walking without a cane. So I'm about as happy today as, uh, as a person can be. It's a great day. Uh, yesterday I was visiting some people in, in a hospital and so when I left the hospital, I walk out to get in my car and I had this awesome little key fob, which means that if this is in my pocket um, and I put my hand on the door, the door automatically unlocks. So I love that. I don't have to fumble with unlocking a car or something. I can just put my thumb on the door and it unlocks. And so I'm leaving the hospital. I walk out to get in my car, stick my thumb on the door and I open the door and sitting in my car is somebody that I've never met before in my life. I react by saying, hey, and uh, he looks over at me and says, hey, and, and I'm, I'm wanting some kind of an explanation, right? And uh, I'm kind of sizing this whole thing up in this moment. I'm kind of confused and, and, and I realize that he's much younger than me and he's much more muscular than me and I've got this bad leg. Otherwise it would have already been over. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, uh, and so, so the guy, um, as I'm kind of sizing it up, I realize this is not my car. <laughs> and so I say to him, oh, this is not my car. And he goes, nope, it's not. <laughs> and I said, I am so sorry. Did I startle you? And he says, a little bit. <laughs> I said, please forgive me. My car is like two cars down. I can't believe I've done this. You know, and so I go walking over to my car thinking, what in the world have you done? Um, I think we have those moments in our lives that remind us that we, we're just kind of ordinary people that sometimes do really crazy stuff, right? And although we have these moments of greatness in our life or these moments where we feel like we really shine or we really do well, we also have those other moments where we just kind of feel like, man, I'm just, I just sometimes do things that just makes no sense. And when I think about being an ordinary person, and there's about 7 billion of us on the planet today, the thing that encourages me is where we started this series three weeks ago. And that is simply here, that God uses ordinary people. And so we started by thinking like that. God does extraordinary things. God does things that are outside the realm of the natural. He does things that cause us to wonder things that are of mystery, things that are supernatural. And he often uses ordinary people when he does these extraordinary things. And so we don't always know what God's up to, but we know that God's at work. God's always doing something. God's always at work in our world and in our lives. We can't see the whole picture, <laughs> but we know that God's up to something. And let me kind of bring it to this point today, okay? Simply this, God does extraordinary things. And the lives of the most ordinary people like me, like you, in order to make things right. Now, this idea of making things right, we're going to have to talk about. And so let's do that together this morning. I want you to grab your Bible and open it to the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, okay? The Gospel of Luke chapter 1. And I want to share this other story of Advent with you. We'll begin reading um, actually in verse uh, 26. And um, 
It's the story of this angel Gabriel coming now to a teenage girl whose name is Mary. And so here's how the story unfolds. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Now, you might remember that um, Elizabeth is the wife of Zechariah. And Zechariah is the priest. They are relatives of Mary. And the angel Gabriel appeared to him and said, Your wife is going to become pregnant in her old age. And so in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Luke is always good about giving you time frames. God sent the same angel Gabriel. So here goes Gabriel on another mission. This time you're not going to Jerusalem to the temple, Gabriel. You're going to Nazareth. It's a village in Galilee. To a virgin named Mary. So she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. So confused and disturbed, and none of us are confused as to why she was confused, right? It makes sense. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. But don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God, and you will conceive, and you will give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Now, <clears throat> he will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. So when you think about the word most high, I love the phrase, don't you? So who is most high? I mean, we, we know people that are high, but who is most high? So the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel how long? Forever. His kingdom will never end. And so Mary did what all of us do when God does the extraordinary, right? Mary Ask the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, Well, Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. And what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the Word of God will never fail. Now here's Mary's response. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. So this is God's Word for us today. Um, I think about our kids. Most of your parents had kids. And, and, and we watch our kids grow. Annette and I were in a restaurant last night and there was a little baby girl and we just ooh, nod over the little girl. And I sat in my seat this morning with you and I watched all these little kids sing up here and I would elbow Annette and say, look at that one, look at that one, look at that one. It's awesome, isn't it? Until they grow up. 
One, one of the struggles we have with our kids is that we love them so much that love lets them choose. So if you didn't love them, you wouldn't let them choose. But we're coming up to Christmas. Christmas is only a few days away, and so what are we going to do with Christmas? We don't say to our kids, I'm going to get you what I want you to have. No, no, no. We say make a list. You get to choose. You make a list, and we'll buy you some of the things on the list because we love you, and because we love you, we let you choose. And it continues throughout their lives. They keep getting to choose. And so as they get older, we say, do you want to play sports? Do you want to do gymnastics? What is it that you're interested in? What, what, what do you want to do? And we let them make choices throughout their lives. And then we begin to talk to them as they get older about vocation and career. What interests you? What kind of gets your attention? What do you think you would enjoy? And they begin to talk to us, and we lean in, and we listen, and we try to guide them as they make career and vocational choices. And then people start winking at them. And, and, and they go on dates, and they choose who they want to go on a date with. And then one day they get to choose who they're going to marry. And as hard as that is for us, and as much as we try to get involved and we try to guide all of those choices, the truth is we love them, and because we love them, we let them choose. And then we watch them make choices that aren't the best for them. And it kills us. And sometimes we're able to get them back on the right path because if you stay on this path, it's got a very predictable destination. It's not going to be good. You're not going to end up in a good place. And sometimes we can't get them back on the path. And I've just watched it over the years and it's happened with my own kids. My heart has been broken. And so here's what we tend to do as parents. We look at our kids and we see what they've lost and what they could have had. And we try to create a plan. I've done it. Many of you have done it. Let me help you get back on the right path here. Because you've lost so much. And I want to help you reclaim what has been lost in your life. And so as, as you understand that, it's, it's not that different than our Heavenly Father and, and His love for us. I mean, we're His kids. I loved it when 30 years ago I heard Max Licato said, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. And He watches us make choices. And He lets us choose because He loves us. If He didn't love us, we wouldn't get to choose. And sometimes we make choices that aren't good for us. And we get off the path. And God tries to guide us. And sometimes we pay attention and sometimes we don't. And finally God says, I've got to come up with a plan because my children have lost so much. And I want to help them reclaim what has been lost. You understand, this is the story of Advent. This story that I read to you a moment ago is not some random story where one day God just kind of said to himself, 
I think maybe I'll send an angel down to talk to this teenage girl, Mary, and we're going to explain to her that she's going to become expectant, even though she's a virgin, and she's going to give birth to a son, and I'm going to tell her to call him Jesus. No, no, no. It's part of this greater plan, and the plan has to do with this fact that God loves us so much that He gave us the power to choose, but so many of us have made wrong choices, and God wants desperately to get our lives back on the right path, and this is the plan. He comes to us. And so I love the story that I read to you. And I love telling the story. And I love reminding you of the story. Gabriel's on another mission. And here's Mary. She's engaged, okay? And we know that it works a little differently in Jesus' day for the Jewish people than marriage works today in our lives. There was a betrothal that lasted one year. It was really an agreement by parents. Now that's, that's what I would love to get back to, you know. So there were two things in a betrothal. There was a contract and there was a price. I think I might have told you a couple of years ago that I was in Swaziland a few years ago and I was riding in a combi and the driver's name was Mongi. And I said to Mongi, I said, Mongi, in your country you actually pay a price for your bride, right? And he goes, yes, it's 15 cows. And he says, in the day it was 15 actual cows. Now it's the equivalent of what... 15 cows would cost. And I said, so that's a lot of money. That's hard to come by. He says, many of us saved for many years in order to purchase a bride from her family. I think I came home and told Annette, Annette, I think you're more like a 20 cow kind of girl, you know. (laughs) And so that's where Mary is in the story, and that's why that when the angel comes, Gabriel, and says, you'll conceive and give birth to a son, you're to name him Jesus. I mean, you know, we're all adults here, aren't we? I mean, except for those who aren't adults, but even, even you know that babies are a result of a man and a woman involving themselves in sexual intercourse, and when anybody tries to claim that a baby has come about in some other way, we assume they're just trying to cover up something. And that's why Mary asked this question. But how can this happen? I'm a virgin. I've never been with a man. And we all know where babies come from. You know, when God does the extraordinary, we said in week one that we tend to respond with questions. Well, how? What? She's not been with a man and she's going to have a baby? Give me a break here. I mean, we, we all do that. We We all respond to God's working in an extraordinary way. The wonder, the mystery, we respond with questions. And the same questions that were asked at the advent of Jesus coming are still being asked today. We're all asking questions about this virgin birth. How can that happen? And the angel replied, well, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so what I've believed all my life is that in the womb of Mary, Jesus was conceived without the sexual relations of a man. And the conception of Jesus was supernatural. And the angel explains, this is the result. You'll call Him Jesus. He'll be very great. His kingdom will never end. He will be holy. He will be called the Son of God, Mary. 
Mary, do you understand what God is going to do? God is going to enter our world through you. God Himself is coming, Mary. I think, I think that some of the controversy maybe that surrounds this idea of a virgin birth has to do with the claims about Jesus who was so identified with God that when He would undermine every human empire that has ever existed. So if I ask you today, I'll, I'll just ask you now, who is the most powerful person in the world? And some people would immediately say, well, it's the ruler of the free world. It would be Donald J. Trump. It's not Donald J. Trump. It's not Vladimir Putin. It's not the men with the money. It's not the Gates people or the Saudis. It's Jesus. Every time I get to say it, I say it. And I try to say it often, and you've probably heard me say it many times. The most influential man who has ever lived in the history of the world is Jesus Christ. One-third of the population today claim to follow His teachings. God Himself came into our world to establish His kingdom on earth. Why? Because the world is off the path. Because the world is broken. Because look around, this is not the Garden of Eden. It's not what God intended. And in all of our brokenness, a loving Father said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to create a plan. I'm going to try to get them back on the path. I'm going to come and establish my kingdom on this earth. And it will rival all the kingdoms of this world. My kingdom will never end. Now, here's what I love about the story. I love the whole Mary element. I'm, I'm nuts about it. It makes me smile when I think about it. We have, a, we have a kid who grew up at our church here, Bethany First Church. His name is Sam. Sam O'Bannon. I thought his grandpa might just kind of say amen or something. Where are you, Mel? Wake Mel up so he can say amen, Hazel, would you? And Sam, Sam began to be concerned, burdened about the forgotten and the homeless of our society. And so here's just a kid that grew up at BFC, Sam. He's in college. And so Sam starts an organization called We Are Agape. And he somehow aligned himself with the Homeless Alliance of Oklahoma City. And he's got this deal that if you'll buy one of his sweatshirts or t-shirts, he'll give one to a homeless person. And then he collects all kinds of stuff and he gives it away. And this is a picture of Sam with some of the people that work with him. This is Sam here. And, and when I think about it, I'm just kind of amazed that, that this college kid would say, the world is really broken. And God desperately wants to do something about the brokenness. And, and it may be that God would use me somehow in His plan. Here's another picture. This is Brady in the middle of the picture. Brady has a ministry that he started. He's a college student as well. And it's called Thin Places. 
It's a sports ministry. And Brady says, I believe that somehow I can use sports to share the love of God with people. So that's what I'm going to do. And so Brady has recruited a lot of help and he's traveled to Africa. In fact, I was in Africa with Brady and his sports team. And then he's been to Canada and he's been to many cities in the States. And he does these sports camp for kids, especially kids who are living in the inner city and who struggle in their situation. And Brady says the world's really broken. And God has this plan and he uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things in his desire to set the world right. And, and maybe God would use me. And this is a picture of Carson. Carson's nice to his sisters, at least when he's posing for a picture. And Carson's only 16. He's a high school student. And Carson Sharola, one week at a church camp, began to think about people who needed God most. And he thought about children who were broken and sick and hurting and fighting cancer and all kinds of things. And so Carson said, I wonder if I could get the Word of God to those people. And he calls St. Jude's Children's Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee and says, if I got Bibles to you, would you make them available? And they said, yeah, we would. And so Carson raises money and he buys Bibles and he sends them to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Are you kind of like amazed by that? It's this idea that God uses ordinary people, people who grow up in our church. And when they pray, it sounds like this. Hey, coach, put me in the game. Give me the ball. Maybe you could use me. And boy, when you think about ordinary, there is nobody more ordinary than Mary. Nobody. Do you know that she was raised very, very poor? Do you know what they referred to her as, her and her family? They were called peasants. Just poor people. Living in a little village called Nazareth. Kind of the marginalized, the other side of the tracks. Being a female in her day did not help her station in life at all. She was kind of relegated to, you'll cook and you'll clean and you'll have babies and just pray to God, Mary, that you can have some boys. Make a contribution to the world in some way. Very little education because she was female. Very little. And, and, and you want me to be honest with you? Mary brought nothing to the table. I mean, I'm looking for leaders. I'm looking for people with promise. You know what I'm saying? I want somebody that's sharp. You know what Mary's got? A willing heart. It's about it. God, you can do through me whatever you want to do through me. I'll take the ridicule. 
having a baby without being married, that's going to raise some questions. But I'll walk that path if you need me to. Well, we're not about young women giving birth out of wedlock around here. That's not what we're about at all. Well, that's not what we're voting on. I mean, you can imagine all the chatter, right? And here's Mary's response to God. I am your servant, Lord. May everything you have said about me come true. Now let me tell you this morning that I'm, I'm not confused about who I am or what I have to offer. I have humble roots. Have I ever mentioned I was raised in a small Kentucky town? <laughs> I don't have any sense that I come in here this morning and I've got life so figured out that all I need to do is tell you how to live yours. You pay attention to me and I'll get you where you need to go. That's not my attitude. In fact, there's many times before I preach on Sundays that I just say to the Lord, Lord, I wish you had more to work with. I mean, this is humbling. You want to talk about feelings of inadequacy week after week. I, I know who I am. I know what my limitations are. But, but I have this belief that, that when I stand up to preach, that something happens that is outside the realm of the natural. That God Himself gets involved. And it is called revelation. Where God reveals His truth and His Word and His will, and God actually speaks through me. And so it's not like we're dependent on what Rick can do. But we're trusting in what God is going to do through Rick. So God takes a very ordinary person and He does the extraordinary. And sometimes you leave here and sometimes I leave here and we say, wow, I think God spoke to me today. And it's completely outside of the realm of what I can accomplish. I can't change anybody's heart. I have no power to do that. Only God can speak to a person's heart. And although God chooses the ordinary, He does the extraordinary through us. And the wonder occurs. I mean, look at, look at this right here, okay? You want to talk about wonder? You want to talk about what's outside the realm of the natural? You want to talk about mystery? You want to talk about supernatural? God sent an angel to Mary and an angel talks to a girl. You ever experienced that in your life? God says to a virgin through an angel, you're going to have a baby. You want to consider the possibilities of an immaculate conception? The baby will be the Son of God. Mary, divinity is going to enter the world through you. And so I grew up reading a different version of the Bible. And when I read verse 37, here's what I used to read, okay? For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And when I think about God using ordinary people, sometimes I just think, well, you know, I mean, I mean, what, what really can God do through me or what really can God do through us? I mean, kind of seems impossible, right? But with God, anything's impossible. 
I, I think it's that moment when you and I kind of just pause right here. And we just wonder in our own thoughts, what is it that God would be willing to do through me if I had the attitude of Mary? How do you get to the place where Sam O'Bannon says yes? And Brady Van Zant says, okay. And Carson Chirola says, I'll do it. What is God asking you to do? Because here's what I know in my heart, that as we are believers and we are followers of Jesus, He invites us to be part of His redemptive plan. The world is broken. Something is bad wrong. Sin has come into this world, and God is trying to reclaim what has been lost in the lives of His children, and He wants to use you and me to do it. And so what is God asking you to do today? Would you bow your heads and just take about 30 seconds and let none of us say anything and just ask God, God, what is it that you're asking of me this morning? Would you just bow your head? If you're comfortable, close your eyes, shut everything else out and just talk to the Father for a few minutes. What are you asking of me? You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at BethanyNaz.org.